Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24 7, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Chip. How about you? Well, we thawed out. Yeah. We went from ruts of ice and everything. You couldn't even drive to 72 degree weather in like a 12 hour span. It was ridiculous. But (laughs) my goodness, we're hopefully you have water and power once again. I, I have water and power once again. And and kudos to we should say kudos to some former Longhorns like Michael Huff and Aaron Williams and Quandre Diggs and Malik Jefferson and Deshaun Elliott for buying a bunch of meals for people who were displaced or without, you know, power and water and food. I know when I went to the grocery store, you couldn't find anything, Taylor. So those yeah. guys really stepped up big. Oh, yeah, they absolutely did. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Those are all great guys. Um, you know, we've covered I didn't cover Michael Huff, but you know, my father-in-law coached Aaron Williams at McNeil High School here in Round Rock. And, um, you know, we covered Malik, Deshaun, Quandre. I mean, they're all such great dudes. So it doesn't surprise me, but definitely they deserve a lot of kudos for them stepping up and helping out fellow Texans in need because there was plenty of people in need. I mean, I like I just drive down my street and seeing the amount of people that had trees fall over or split in half. One of our neighbors pipes burst. Um, so they had like all of their carpet out. I mean, it was just, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate. We didn't have some serious, serious issues like that. Some of our appliance broke, appliances broke from the power outage, but that was it. And so I feel like I got off a little clean, you know, but that was not the case for a lot of people. So it's always great to see other people step up and helping, um, you know, when they can. Yeah, absolutely. That, uh, that's good stuff. And um, we'll get into uh, all kinds of good conversation about uh, Texas football, including Casey Thompson, our, our interview with Charles Thompson. Make sure you check out that, the flagship podcast interview from Monday. We're going to get into some of the, uh, you know, talking points about that interview. Uh, but Sam Ellinger wins the Jason Witten uh, Man of the Year Award, and this is given to uh, the college football player who best exemplifies leader- leadership on and off the field, and kudos to Sam Ellinger for, for winning that award. They're going to make uh, Jason Witten's foundation, SCORE Foundation, is going to make a $10,000 contribution to the Texas University of Texas Scholarship Fund, so um, no I mean, very deserving Sam Ellinger, who raised two hundred thousand dollars in a in a GoFundMe to to help, um, you know, help others during the the pandemic. So, uh, fantastic stuff for for the former Texas quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Sam. I've always been a huge fan of Sam. I I you know covered him as a recruit when I was still doing more recruiting coverage back when he was at um, Westlake High School there, but he's just such a good kid, you know, and I know a lot of Texas fans were a little disappointed in his on the field play some um, during the 2020 season, but he's just one of those guys chip. And maybe, you know, I feel like him and Malik Jefferson are probably two of the people that I will always root for because they just always do things the right way, both on and off the field. So when they, you know, you see these guys get acknowledged um, for their efforts. I mean, that's, it's huge because these, these players have such a big platform, even at the college level. I mean, professional players have a huge platform too, but 
you know, college players, there's a reason why I think they're finally moving to the, you know, paying players for their name, image, and likeness because of how substantial a lot of these guys' platforms are. And that's exactly what Sam Ellinger had. And he used it for good, you know, and he didn't have to do that, but he, he raised more money than a lot of other people did a lot more than I ever did, you know, I mean, or you or any, any of us. So I just, I, you know, I was so excited for Sam Ellinger to get that acknowledgement because it's so well-deserved. Yeah. Some, uh, some of the past winners that award has been around since 2017. Shaquem Griffin from central Florida, uh, has won that award. Um, Najee Harris from Alabama was a finalist with, with Sam Ellinger and, um, Taylor will we'll also get into Texas basketball, the win over uh, Kansas, the overtime win over Kansas Tuesday night, and what that means for the Longhorns, who now have their reschedule uh, from the Big 12. That also came down yesterday. We'll get into that. And Texas baseball, who will play BYU tonight. We're recording on Wednesday, but open the season 0-3 against three top 10 teams up at uh, – globe life field in Arlington. We'll get into some of the details on that Taylor, but I do want to get into um, the, the interview that we had with Charles Thompson, because I, I find Charles fascinating. First of all, his personal life, you know, he got into trouble at OU. Um, he was on the cover of sports illustrated in a, in a jail jumpsuit, turned around his life, became a motivational speaker speaker does all kinds of, um, football clinics for football university and, and is still, I mean, he's a very respected member of the Oklahoma city community. He's got a radio show and he just has unique perspective on things. He calls it like he sees it. He, he told his son, Casey, when Casey went into the transfer portal a couple of years ago, I think you're making a mistake. You need to stick it out and battle. And, and then, it took a minute, but Casey finally got an opportunity, a meaningful opportunity in the Alamo Bowl. Had a great performance, eight of 10 passing, four touchdowns, five scoring drives, and now a new coaching staff with Steve Sarkeesian. And, and I thought one of the interesting things Charles uh, pointed out was that Sarkeesian owns his, his ups and downs, his his humbling, if you will, after being fired at USC, just like Charles has owned his, uh, you know, his past miss, uh, miss dealings or, you know, mistakes, I should say. And, and so from that perspective, I think Charles feels like Steve Sarkeesian is, is going to look at this quarterback thing fairly because let's be honest. I, I think, and Charles said it, he, called a meeting with Tom Herman and Mike Yersich about uh, with a month left in the season and said, okay, what's the plan here? Mm-hmm. You know, cause Sam was struggling. Charles didn't come out and say it, but like, what, what's it going to take for, for Casey or someone to get a, a shot to, to see if they can help the team. Cause you know, they're, the offense is struggling. Yeah. And, and now um, he's got a new coach, new coaching staff and, um, the, the good news is Casey has put some game film down that I think, well, Steve Sarkeesian has told us he watched the second half of the Alamo bowl. So, and he, he has said, I, I, I don't take a job unless there's a quarterback on the roster. The only quarterback he's seen is Casey Thompson Taylor. So, um, I just thought it, I, I, 
would tell all of our listeners to make sure that they listen to that interview because I think it's interesting. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think some people may hear you us explain this, you know, and be like, well, it's somebody's dad. Of course, they're going to, you know, talk up their son or anything. But you're right. I mean, Charles Thompson is the type of guy that's going to tell it like it is. And I do feel like, you know, if he if he felt that that Casey got a you know fair shake and didn't play, it didn't pan out like I, I see him as the type of guy who would probably say that, you know, sure. and, and admit that, you know, maybe my son's not the, the best option there is right now or whatever that may be. But yeah, if you, if you did not catch our um, Monday interview episode of the flagship podcast, you definitely need to, because I mean, he talks about everything from <laughs> like the Alamo bowl to his thoughts on Steve Sarkeesian, you know, um, where things are with Casey and, it's definitely a good, you did a great job with that interview. I mean, even if you look over at Horns 24 seven, if you look at the thread that was in it, you know, it's uh, most times, more times than not, a lot of times, you know, people will be like, oh, okay, like, I don't want to listen to podcasts or something like that. <laughs> and that was not the case. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, like, this is a fantastic interview and Chip's the best at interviewing people. So you definitely need to check that out. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting what he had to say about, <clears throat> especially the, you know, the meeting, how you mentioned with Tom Herman and with Mike Yersich and, and while, you know, I don't necessarily know if I agree that Sam deserved to be benched at any time, I think it was, you know, it, if I was in Charles Thompson's shoes, I probably would ask those questions as well. Just kind of knowing what the future may hold because he convinced his son to stick around. You know, he convinced him saying, your time's going to come, your time's going to come as you've, re- you know, you've reported that over the years, honestly, since Casey Thompson initially entered the transfer portal that, you know, the Charles Thompson was the one that was trying to say, stick it out, you know, stick with your commitment. And that's something that a lot of, especially in the transfer portal age, you don't get that very often anymore. You know, I mean, these kids, they don't start one year and then they, they bolt and they're able to do that. And I understand why some people will do that, but you know, Casey stuck it out and, you know, Chip, I'm, I'm curious about your take on what Charles Thompson had to say about Bruce Feldman's um, comments uh, from, you know, some off the record or um, on background type of comments from some college coaches that talked about Hudson card. Cause it didn't seem like he was too thrilled about what was said about Hudson card over Casey. Yeah. So Bruce Feldman did a, uh, an article for the athletic quoting, I think four former Texas coaches on Herman's staff. And, and one of those um, in all anonymous, all unnamed sources, but one of those sources said how high they were on Hudson card and compared him to Aaron Rodgers. And I think that confused Charles, you know, and, and I think he was kind of surprised that Feldman, you know, would do an interview about coaches on their way out talking about the talent still on the roster, but you know, he was confused about if there if there were, were comparisons of Hudson Card to Aaron Rodgers, then why wasn't he getting more playing time or more opportunity? Um, and and then to say it after what Casey did in the Alamo Bowl also seems like a slap at what Casey did in the Alamo Bowl. And so I think he was just confused. But, you know, obviously um, he has said that, that Casey and Mike Yersich told us this too, that 
that Casey prepares like the starter. He he's not a guy who's going to be out on sixth street. He's going to be a guy who's, you know, watching film and constantly watching clips of other quarterbacks, seeing what he can pick up, see what he can learn. Um, Charles was iced in with Casey and Austin last week. So they were watching film together and talking about things. And, and so, you know, it's just an interesting, I think in some situations, like I remember Garrett Gilbert, okay. His dad, Gail Gilbert, only quarterback in NFL history to, to be on five straight Super Bowl teams. Now they all lost, unfortunately. It was the Buffalo Bills for four years and then the San Diego Chargers. Um, but he he didn't want to talk to the media, you know. Um, Charles has is a public speaker, he's a motivational speaker, talks about his own failings and and how to overcome them. And 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 so I just find him interesting and and I think he he lays it out there and his, his point is, okay, he's, when he's been called upon, he's delivered, right? He scored on two of his three drives in the UTEP game. He scored on all five of his drives in the Colorado game. All you can do is work with what they give you. And he was given those three drives in the UTEP game and five drives in the Alamo bowl and he scored on seven of eight. Right. So, you know, his point is it may be a small sample size, but it's a pretty damn good uh, batting average, if you will. Yeah. Um, You know, for sure. I mean, that's, you know, I think, I I think I was always pretty hesitant about, you know, assuming what Casey Thompson would be. Um, I, I saw him as a recruit and some of the things I saw, and I've talked about it on the flagship podcast over the you know last several months, some of the things I saw as a recruit were a little alarming, but we, I never got a chance to see him again until this past football season. And, you know, I, I do think that it's, it's a little unfortunate, I think for him that he finally did get his opportunity to show the world, honestly, what he could do. And I know, you know, Colorado was not lighting everyone on fire. So let me preface it with that. As I've said over and over again, you know, this wasn't like they were facing Alabama or something like that, or even Oklahoma when this uh, type of his play came out like that. But, you know, I do think it's a little unfortunate for him that he finally had the opportunity to show the coaching staff, hey, this is what I can do when you call on me in a game. When I can be a starter, if you give me the opportunity, that's what I can do. But now it's all erased because that coaching staff isn't there anymore. But I do, you know, I think at this point, Chip, and I'm curious for your input on this, you know, I feel like regardless of whatever anonymous coach told Bruce Feldman that, you know, Hudson Card reminds him of Aaron Rodgers, Casey has to enter spring as the QB one, right? Yeah. And, and he is. We, we reported the, you know, the, they've studied hours and hours of practice film. I mean, Troy, Troy O'Meary is the, is the starter at the X receiver right? Uh, based on the film that they watched of him from practices in fall camp last year. And, you know, kudos to Sarkeesian and his staff. They, they put clips together of all the offensive players and their, their reps. And so there's a, there's a file that they can watch of 80, 90 reps of Hudson card and 
Casey Thompson from practice right. even. And so they have Casey at, at QB1, Hudson at QB2, um, and then the walk-on, uh, Ballinger at QB3, and Charles Wright at QB4. They don't have any film of Charles Wright. Right. Um, but I think we, I'm fascinated to see how, because the thing that you listen to Charles – Casey's going to study. He's going to study the playbook. He's going to study the film. He's going to look at his practice film and see what mistakes he's making and fix it. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's got his third offensive coordinator in three years. He's got to learn the Sarkeesian offense and, and master it and then perform in spring ball and, and all of that. And I'm eager to see how he digests all that. Because it's a, it's another situation where he's got to show, prove himself. And, and I think he looks at it like he's constantly proving himself because he's the Oklahoma kid at Texas and Hudson card is the Austin, Texas kid at Texas. And he just had to go through that with Sam Ellinger. So, you know, this is, he always feels like he's fighting uphill and, and let's see how he, handles it. And his dad talks about his leadership style and the fact that, you know, he's a little bit of a loner because he does kind of stay in his apartment and, and, you know, work on football, but he's got a lead now. And he right. was deferential to Sam. It was Sam's team. Charles told him that, look, when starting quarterback, it's his team. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're the starting quarterback, it's your team, but you're not the starting quarterback. So don't don't do anything to to diminish your your leader. Right. And and now he's got a lead and that's going to be another step for Casey to take. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit before we started recording and I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't say I was going to call you out on this in here or not, but you get a little bit of a sense right now that this is kind of familiar to a certain quarterback uh, controversy per se. I guess we could say it from uh, earlier in the Mac Brown era with Chris Sims and Major Applewhite, right? Yeah, I mean, sample size is different. Mm -hmm. Major had a whole year and was the co-Southwest Conference Player of the Year at quarterback and was doing a really good job at the quarterback position. And then they bring in Chris Sims and almost immediately he's a co-starter with major and hasn't done anything um, to, to merit that. And that was the coaches doing it. I think right now the, there are a lot of fans who love what Hudson card can do with his athleticism and the fact that he played at Lake Travis where Baker Mayfield and all these, you know, top quarterbacks, Michael Brewer, Charlie Brewer have, have played, but we haven't seen him on the field yet um, in a position to perform at a high level or whatever. He, he hasn't put the numbers in the books. He hasn't led the scoring drives. And, and we have with Casey, what, what did I just say? Five, eight drives, seven of them for scores. So, you know, it's early and I think Sark is going to be all about the production because look at Mac Jones at Alabama. 
you know, it was supposed to be Bryce Young. It wasn't supposed to be Mac Jones, but Sark stuck with the guy who was showing him day in and day out in practice that he had a full grasp of the offense and knew how to get the ball to his playmaker. So I think, um, you know, I don't have the, I'm not inside Tom Herman's head or, or what he was telling Mike Yurcich, but I just get the feeling it's going to be straight up who, who, who produces is going to play. Yeah. I mean, that's how it should be. Like, let's, right. let's sure. yeah, there should not be favoritism. There should not be, Oh, this kid has played in more games, but this younger kid is better or vice versa. You know, this kid was a high potential type of player coming in. He just hasn't got his chance. No, it should be. It should always be about production. And, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated to watch the quarterback battle uh, this spring, especially because, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to see Hudson card in practice. And I'm hoping, hoping that Texas allows us to see some type of spring practice. <laughs> I mean, their outdoor fields are big enough where we can socially distance and be safe and wear our masks and everything. So I'm hoping that we get that opportunity. Um, number one, to see, have some FaceTime at least with the new coaching staff, but number two, to actually see these guys in person, because even with Casey Thompson, you know, we saw him in practices over the years in fall camp and spring practice, we got a small window and he never really played in games. Now we saw a little bit more of him, obviously in the 2020 season, but I've seen nothing of Hudson Carr, you know, not since he you know, enrolled at Texas. And so I'm very fascinated to see kind of how, they maneuver this quarterback situation and, and honestly how Casey Thompson probably I'm, I'm probably watching him a little bit with more of a, a magnifying glass because he's the upperclassman, you know, he's, he's the veteran. He's the one that has the experience and my, you know, the way I, you know, my father-in-law has always said this too, you know, if, if there's a younger guy that's outperforming a veteran, even if they're close, you go with the younger guy. And so I'm really curious to see how Casey Thompson um, adjust to, you know, as you mentioned, a third straight uh, or a third change at offense coordinator in three years and how he adjusts to Steve Sarkeesian's, um, you know, his his offense and how he's going to handle him and A.J. Milwee, how they're going to handle the quarterback situation. Uh, but, you know, this is it's it's kind of I don't know if it's fun again, you know, but like there hasn't really we you and I have been so used to there being some sort of like quarterback controversy at Texas. And then Sam Ellinger came in and we didn't have that. You know, that wasn't really a, a headline, but I think fans always are drawn to it. So I'm very curious to see how this plays out, Chip. And, um, you know, and also on the other side of the ball with the defense, uh, you wrote a lot in the insider um, last week. If you are a Horns 24-7 member, which you should be, especially now we're running a 50% off special and you'll also get instant access to uh, CBS All Access before they make the shift to Paramount+. Plus. Normally, if you're in the promotional period, you need to wait until that ends before you get that CBS All Access slash Paramount Plus discount. Now you can do it right now. So if you're not a member, definitely sign up. But last week, Chip, in the Insider, you did a very in-depth look at Pete Kwiatkowski, the new defensive coordinator. And I'm really intrigued to see how he kind of changes it, or if he can change the the direction of how defensive coordinators have played out at Texas, because every single one that I've covered since I, you know, in the last 10 years covering this program, not a single one made it to year four, not one. They all were fired mid-year in year three or demoted or something in year three. And so, you know, you, you did a really in-depth look at him through um, some 
NFL sources of yours who ended up, you know, drafting or uh, looking at some of the players that he had. Um, I'm really curious for to see how this plays out on the defense side of the ball too. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because I was just trying to get power and water and I got a phone call from one of my Cowboys sources who just said, I hope you know what Pete Kwiatkowski's all about. And I'm like, okay, let's talk. And he's like, we've, we've been drafting Boise players, you know, from Tyrone Crawford to DeMarcus Lawrence, um, even back to Orlando Skandrick. And he was saying how um, Kwiatkowski is just amazing at being able to teach his guys what they need to do and then getting them to play hard. And, and part of his thing is he's a really good talent evaluator. Like he finds the guys with a motor. I mean, that's it. He wants guys with a motor. He'll, he'll, he'll take them to the next level. If I have the motor, I can turn you into something and that's the selling point. And, and so you know, Tyrone Crawford and Demarcus Lawrence were both three-star recruits uh, out of junior college going to Boise. Um, Demarcus Lawrence from Kansas, and they got him away from Kansas State to Boise. And Demarcus Lawrence, as we know, is now a hundred million dollar man um, with the Cowboys. And and Tyrone Crawford is on his second contract with the Cowboys. And Orlando Skandrick was a free agent, so he just they love how tough Pete Kwiatkowski's players are um, and how well coached they are. He said, they're not going to be guessing out there. They're going to know exactly where they're supposed to be. They're going to play fast. And, and he will tweak the defensive game plan each week. You know, we associate that with Gary Patterson. Patterson does this total deep dive after spring ball into all the opponents. And then, comes up with what he wants to start putting into the practice reps for each opponent. And Kwiatkowski is the same way. So he will do a deep dive into all the opponents, look at wrinkles that they can bring. And, and I think that's going to be fun because he's not afraid to, you know, change fronts and get out of his comfort zone and, put seven defensive backs on the field and you know, he, he loves the, the, the scheming part of it, but he also uh, does a really good job of, of getting guys to, to buy in, play hard, play together. And he's a low key guy. He's not one of these fiery guys. That's more of Jeff Choate, the, the co-defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach. He is a fiery guy. And already I'm hearing, wow, this guy, he, get you going, you know? And so I think it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really interesting. And I think the whole college football world was surprised to see Pete Kwiatkowski leave the Pacific Northwest after he was a lifer there to come to Texas and shake it up and, and get out of his comfort zone and, and see what he can do in the big 12. So uh, I, I think it was a, it was kind of a surprising call that I got, but at the same time, it was, quite a vote of confidence from an NFL team, a, a, a guy who's, you know, been part of the drafting of players with the Dallas Cowboys. So um, yeah, check it out. Check out the insider from, from last week. Cause I think it's a, 
it's an interesting look at, at Pete Kwiatkowski. And I appreciate you bringing that up, Taylor. Let's, let's get into uh, a little Texas basketball. Uh, well, what do we want to do? We want to do the good news or the bad news first. Taylor, should we just get Texas baseball out of the way? Um, yeah, let's, let's get baseball. All right, we'll just, we'll, they had a rough start to the season. Rough start. So- well, we'll and, hold off a little bit before we judge too much, but yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they had, uh, it, it was, it was interesting. So they opened up against Mississippi state. Mississippi state has six lefties in their lineup, which is, that's a lot. And that's crazy. Yes. You know, six of your nine position players and two others can switch it. Mm-hmm. Their leadoff uh, batter um, it was a switch hitter. So they have up to eight lefty hitters if they want. And I think um, Ty Madden struggled to locate his curveball. He was throwing all fastballs. They timed it. They were knocking him around. And so he only lasted four innings and, and gave up, you know, three runs. And then they brought in Pete Hansen, Pete Hansen, the lefty redshirt freshman who was such a bright surprise last year from California had his preparation for the season delayed twice by COVID-19 protocols. And David Pierce wasn't even sure he was going to throw him um, last weekend, but he did. And Hanson struggled some, gave up, uh, gave up three runs. Um, One of them earned, there were a couple errors that also uh, factored in there. So that was a rough start. Then, um, you know, against Arkansas, they get shut out for zip and only one hitter, one Murphy Staley, the second baseman. He had two hits. He was the only player to get a hit against Arkansas. Everyone else was over. Yeah, um, that's that'll bring your, you know, batting practice to a crash uh, landing. Uh, and then against number six, Ole Miss. Texas uh, lost eight to one and their, their, you know, their team batting average right now is one sixty-seven. Taylor. They have 33 strikeouts going into this game against BYU on Wednesday night. So they got to get some confidence at the plate and the pitching will get better. You would think, and there were some positives in there. Heck freshman Tanner Witt pitched three and a third and scoreless innings. And he's a guy who's fighting for a, a weekend rotation spot, either Saturday or Sunday's spot. And, um, you know, Tristan Stevens pitched well. There were some little glimmers and bright spots. And Ivan Melendez had a home run and a double in that first game against Mississippi State. He's the transfer from Odessa College, who David Pierce thinks is a really talented hitter. Um, but, you know, the Big 12 preseason pitcher of the year time Madden struggled the newcomer of the year preseason newcomer of the year Mike Antico struggled mightily at the plate uh, he's a guy with a ton of speed and can steal bases but he's got to get on base um, and that's it's been a struggle so I know Texas baseball fans are like whoa what's going on but right you know last season got canceled for what 17 games in and I mean, look at Texas softball. They've already had 16 games canceled this year. Yeah. They're, they're two and oh, but 16 games canceled. It's been tough. It's been tough. Yeah, it absolutely has. I mean, I just looked at the last time that Texas baseball played a game was March 11th of 2020 prior to this weekend and starting the season off facing the number six, seven and eight 
ranked teams in the country. I mean, especially with Mississippi State, as you mentioned, you know, Chip, my, with my dad being a former professional baseball player, you know, he was a switch hitter. And that was a huge reason why he skyrocketed up to the, you know, big leagues as quickly as he did at the time. And now he kind of teetered back and forth um, after that. But still, you know, I mean, when you have those type of players, there's a reason why my dad put a ball in our left hands all the time when we were little, when we were learning how to, he put a, you know, a, a pen in our left hands. He tried to make all of us lefties because of, for sports reasons, honestly, it's a big reason. My mom's a lefty too, but you know, he threw left and was a switch hitter. And when you face those type of, those type of players, that's just like a natural raw talent that you are going up against. And I know that Texas baseball fans are really, you know, down right now on David Pierce. I think that it's, uh, probably time. I know this is not a word that many uh, fans of any sport, honestly, of any team either like to hear, but where patience is a virtue, you know, that saying that's probably something you need to have going into a lot of these spring sports schedules because of how, you know, their, their seasons were cut short so much. I mean, it's almost been a year since Texas baseball would, took the field. I know, you know, they technically it's not, it was March 11th, but still it's only a few weeks away from that. So I think that Texas fans, they have a right of, I think, a little bit to be concerned when that was kind of the first outing, you know, losing eight to three, losing four to nothing, losing eight to one. But let's put things in perspective here a little bit. You know, I think that David Pierce is somebody who deserves a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Um, they were off to a good start last last season before the season was canceled. I know the year before wasn't great, but he took Texas to the College World Series, you know, and so I think the fans that are ready to jump off the cliff maybe just tap the brakes a little bit. That's my take, Chip. I don't know if you feel the same way, though. Yeah. I, You know, let them get home. Let them get some practice time in. The winter weather almost canceled that tournament right. last weekend because teams couldn't travel, but they did. They delayed it a day uh, in starting and, and got it in. But get some, get some practice time in. Get some home games. Figure out your pitching rotation. Get, get some guys some reps so that they can go more than four innings and, and let's see where they are. And obviously the hitting it's contagious, right? If, if you're, if your team's hitting the ball guys, it's contagious. And just like lack of hitting is contagious. And that's where Texas has to, has to break out of, um, you know, a 167 team batting average after three games and 33 strikeouts. They got to get that out of their minds and, you know, they got Troy Tulowitzki on that staff, Houston Street. They got guys who can help them, um, you know, work the mental side of the game. And and as we said, they were all three top 10 teams. It's not like they were going out there and, and getting beat up by, um, you know, some Juco team. So it's uh, it's early. It's early. And, and Taylor's right. Patience, my friends. Well, <laughs> Well, and you brought, you do bring up a good point real quick, Chip, is the mental part of the game. You know, with baseball, it's probably one of the more mental sports, in my opinion. I mean, golf, I would say, is probably up there, too. But baseball, I mean, there's a reason why they, you know, talk about getting in a slump in baseball. It's, it's something, it is such a mental game. And if you can figure that out, and if you have professional, you know, former pros like Texas does have on the staff to help figure the mental part of the game, that will do wonders for an overall roster. And if you don't, that's when you start 
hitting the panic button. If they're not figuring it out after several games, that's when you start hitting the panic button. I just wanted to say, I thought that was a really good point. You know, the mental aspect of baseball is so crucial. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm talking to somebody who had two professional baseball players in my family. So I understand, you know, how, how important getting the mental part of the game actually is when you're playing baseball. That's right. That picture behind you is uh, is your dad (laughs) scoring the game winning run in, in uh, game four of the, the 69 <laughs> World Series right there. <laughs> Number 17, Rod Gasper. Yes. <laughs> um, well, Taylor, let's, uh, you know, as far as Texas basketball, they, they get the win over Kansas 75-72. And it was sort of the reverse of what we saw on Saturday when Texas gave up a 19-point lead and had a 14-point lead when Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones got into it, and then slowly but surely the the lead slipped away, and Texas lost to West Virginia in a game that they're they were going, what the bleep just happened? And then Kansas comes in, Texas is trailing by 14, and then what stood out to me about this uh, second half where they came back was the player rotations. He Shaka went away from Jace Febris, who's been struggling to score the ball in his five games back. He's only shooting 28.6%. This is a spot up shooter. I mean, if he, if he can't hit, you got to take him out and they've lost their defensive identity a little bit. So what does Shaka do? He plays Brock Cunningham for 13 minutes in the second half and all five minutes of overtime. And, and it just, you know, kind of brought their defensive identity back because they do have good defensive players. I mean, right. Kai Jones is a is a force. And and I've said, I think the best rotation is when Shaka brings Kai Jones, Brock Cunningham, Royce Ham, and Donovan Williams in off the bench together. Six minutes into a game, takes all the starters out, gives them a rest because those guys bring a bunch of defensive intensity that just wears on opponents, right? You give your starters a rest, you ramp up the defensive intensity so that when the starters come back in, they almost have to match that defensive intensity. And Chaka talks all the time about getting lost in the game, getting lost in your connection to your teammates. You know how you get lost in a game by playing great defense, turning the other team over, fast breaking transition buckets that demoralizes your opponent. And when you can play, you know, 10 deep, then don't, don't shorten your bench. Use that depth to your advantage. Shaka even talked about this last week. He talked about Florida state and how, um, you know, how they've won like 10, you know, conference games in a row or something. And he's, talking about how Leonard Hamilton plays 10 guys and I'm sitting there going, yeah, Shaka, you can play 10 guys this year. You have that much depth and guess what? Your whole locker room's happy when you're doing that. Right. You know, Royce Ham got frustrated, tweeted because he's not playing. Mm-hmm. And Royce Ham's good players, good defensive players, a hustle guy. He's a muscle guy. And Shaka played him early in that game last night. I still, I think Shaka's getting carried away with this fascination of Kai Jones and Jericho Sims playing together. And I, I like them providing a one, two punch 
Um, you know, I know Kai's had some turnovers late in some of these games where Texas has struggled. And I think it's partly because he's still getting used to playing with Jericho. And I just think he's got a great thing when he brings Kai Jones, Brock, Royce Ham, Donovan Williams in together. Cause that's a, man, that's a tough lineup defensively for Texas and gets them back to their identity. Their defense is why they started 10 and one when they were playing a bunch of guys and guys are having fun. They're loving each other, cheering for each other. Why do you change that? Why do coaches change that as the season goes on? I don't get it. Rick Barnes did this in 09 when he had the number one team, you know, they were 17 and Oh, and he was playing 10 guys and they were loving it. And then he started shortening, you know, it's, I don't get it. Yeah. It's like, don't try to be cute. Just do what's working. You know, right. I mean, that's, that's, I think coaching one-on-one, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to be cute and I get that you have to sometimes, you know, piece together things with, you know, bubble gum and duct tape at times and be cutesy about it to try to overcome, but that's yeah, you not gotta MacGyver it. Exactly. But shock This is one of the most talented teams that he's had. And so, you know, I think just go back to the basics, as you said, like go to what's working and, you know, don't try to outthink yourself because you're going to make it to where you are out of games when you start doing that. When you try to get, you know, cutesy or anything or try to maybe change things that shouldn't be changed. You know, I mean, if you have a good defensive team, freaking rely on the defense, like defense right. wins championships. That's not just in football. It's in every sport. Having a good defense is that's the best thing for a good off or, you know, to have a good offense, have a good defense. And so, yeah, I mean, I think. If you're limiting the opportunity for teams to be able to actually score points, stick with it. And it's working. Stick with it. Like, don't try to get into shooting matches. Just try to defend. And I think you did see that last night a little bit against Kansas. And Chip, we'll we'll continue this conversation here. We're going to take a really quick break here, but you definitely want to stick around because we're going to continue talking about Texas basketball, plus some more Texas football and baseball in Love It or Leave It. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Chip, you want to get in some love it or leave it? Let's do it. Let's do it. It's All that right. time. All righty. Chip, let's uh, start off love it or leave it here. I'm going to go back to some football topics. And my first one for you is love it or leave it. The thing you like most about Casey Thompson at quarterback is he's shown he can execute under the lights and lead his team to victory. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to love that because to me, it's all about what do you do under the lights? You know, one of my favorite quarterbacks in, in Texas, since I've covered the team 30 years is James Brown, who apparently was not a great practice player under John Makovic. But when Shea Morantz got hurt and James Brown came in against OU in 1994, he led the team to victory or helped lead them to victory and went on to, you know, become a beast who, beat A&M and ended their 31 game home winning streak in 95 and, and, you know, talk to Dan Neal, our friend um, and contributor at horns 24 seven, the all American who's on the, still on the ballot for the college football hall of fame about James Brown. He's like, the guy's a killer. You know, that's, that's the kind of guy you want to be in the huddle with. And, and all I know of Casey Thompson so far is he's been in eight drives for Texas in the 20 season and, he led them to points on seven of them. So I got to see 
more of a reason to doubt them at this point. And I'm not even looking for that reason. I think some Texas fans are, and I'm just like, Hey, be thankful. You got a guy who was told he wasn't better than cam rising was told he wasn't better than Sam Ellinger is being told he's not better than Hudson card. And all the guy does is prepare and then comes in and executes. I think you're, you're in pretty good shape right there. You got a grinder with some thick skin. Who's been told he's last, um, you know, last in the coaches' minds, and now he's finally getting a chance to to earn it and then prove it. But yeah, right now, the thing I like most about I'm gonna love that that you know Casey Thompson has shown me has shown he when the lights are on he can execute. So I know small sample size, but he, all he can do is work with what he was given. So right. Taylor, how about you? I'm kind of torn a little bit because I will say, I know that Casey Thompson did enter the transfer portal, but he stuck around. And I am, I've always been the type of person, my, my dad taught me this. Once you start something, you finish it. You don't, you know, you don't quit mid season. You don't do that. And he hasn't done that. And I think that's something to really admire about him, especially in this transfer portal age. I mean, let's be honest, Casey Thompson could have gone in the transfer portal and gone to another power five school. Like he has the talent, he has the, the bloodlines, you know, everything. And he, he's a natural athlete while the sample size at that point was really minimal. If anything, he still had, he was still a highly touted recruit, you know, that came out of Oklahoma and went to enemy, enemy territory. And he had every reason to transfer and he didn't. And I do think that that's something to really like about him. So that's where I'm kind of torn because I do like that he stuck it out. And that's huge, especially in the transfer portal era that we're in right now where guys just don't do that. But I do agree though. I think I I have to love it because, you know, I was, I was definitely one of the, I'm going to pop, you know, tap the brakes before I start thinking that Casey Thompson is going to be, you know, the next second coming of Vince Young or something like that, because he's such a good athlete because of what I had seen as when he was a recruit, but I have seen him obviously had the opportunity now to see him in games and he was excellent. I mean, some of the throws that he made in that Alamo bowl game, he didn't make those as a recruit. He would have under threw or overthrew some wide open guys by 10 yards. And and that's not, I'm not trying to be too hard on him. That is what I saw of him often. And so I put in the work. Yeah, he has. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't, I probably didn't give him enough credit because for a lot of reasons, you know, as I've said during last season, when people were calling for him to start, I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, first impressions are lasting. And my first few impressions were not great of him, but I do think when in the Alamo bowl, I was watching and I, I remember texting you, I was like, okay, I've been wrong all year about Casey Thompson because he just, he got it done, you know, and he, he did it at an elite level in a way that I didn't see of him before. And so I do think that you have to love this because, you know, he came off the bench in a game that he probably never thought he would even step on the field. I mean, it's Sam Ellinger's last game at the University of Texas. Sam Ellinger's, you know, the quarterback that led them to their first New Year's six bowl appearance. And they won, upset Georgia, who was one of the top teams in the country. And I mean, it it's, was probably not a game that Casey was expecting to see the field unless for some reason it was a blowout or something. But when his number was called, he answered. And so I definitely think you have to love that because he has shown now and, you know, in a, in a big bowl game too, like not huge, obviously, but still like the Alamo bowl's not 
you know, the cupcake bowl or anything like that. It's one of the better bowls in the big 12. I do think that he really changed my mind. Um, now again, as you mentioned, it is a very small sample size. However, I feel much more confident in Casey Thompson leading this team than I would have if you would have asked me last August, I'd say, and taken over for Sam Ellinger. So I'm going to agree. I'm going to love that. Yeah, no, it's good. All right. Good stuff. And Hudson card, you know, I, he, I, I can remember a couple of games where he really struggled against elite competition in high school, you know, against Westlake when they got beat 48 to seven. I, and I get that he had just moved from receiver to quarterback. And um, I just think if Steve Sarkeesian's happy with those guys, you got to have two, you have to have two because if one goes down, you've got to have another one who can come in and keep everything going and not have the train fall completely off the tracks. So you got a offensive minded head coach who's done wonders with quarterbacks his whole career from Carson Palmer at USC and Matt Castle to Matt Leinart and um, and obviously Mac Jones and uh, at Alabama. So I think Texas fans should feel good and don't pick one over the other celebrate both and because you're going to need both. Yes. And I do think that, that, you know, in saying that too, I've, I was really impressed with Hudson card as a recruit. And so I, you know, me saying, I think us talking about Casey Thompson, we're not saying that he's a hundred percent the guy and should be. And if they don't, if he's not the starter, then Sark doesn't know what he's doing. No. Like I think that Hudson cards a really, really talented player. I think he has a very, very bright future. Um, it's going to be about, as you mentioned, like, the staff keeping him around, honestly, because I think that he he's good enough from what I've seen and from what we had heard of him leading up to the season last year. I mean, we heard a lot of positive things about him in some of those scrimmages leading up to the 2020 football season. And remember, he didn't have a spring practice or anything like that with the team. So hearing positive things about a true freshman in fall camp in a scrimmage situation That'll, that'll definitely catch your attention if you're, you know, in the media, like in, if you're a fan, it should catch your attention too, because that's, that's a very positive sign for the future. I do think that he could, you know, use more time before he sees the field just for the, you know, COVID things. But I do think that Texas has two solid options. And I, I'm not sure if I would have said that prior to last season. Yeah. Personally. So, all right. Good stuff. Next one. What else we got? We're going to go some basketball here. So love it or leave it. Texas basketball has rediscovered its defensive identity after the Horns 75 to 72 overtime win over Kansas. Okay. This is a, this is a, they better have. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to leave this until I see it again. Um, because I, I have wondered and I asked Shaka about his player rotations and I said, you've gotten away from, you know, bringing in that group, the, the Kai Jones, Royce Ham, Brock Cunningham, Donovan Williams group as a, as a foursome, you know, six minutes into a game. And I said, how do you manage that now with Feb respect? He's like, well, it's game to game. And we like the way Kai's playing with Jericho. And, and I, I just think you can hammer teams. I, I think Kai's more confident when he's the main option on the floor as the big man. And he's not having to look and see if Jericho's doing this or that. That's my opinion. What do I know? 
But I do know that it was working when they were 10 and one. And, and all I heard from Shaka and we were all talking about the defense. They were giving up 63 points a game. It was fantastic. The only team better was Baylor. So, you know, I, I just was like, wow. Okay. Shaka, I've been banging on you for five years because you have no identity to your program. There's no toughness and discipline on the regular. And I, I don't know what your identity is. Well, this year it was defense and then COVID whatever they got away from it. February's coming back from injury. Now they got to get back to it because that's how they're going to rain some terror in March for the first time. Remember Shaka has not won an NCAA tournament game since 2013 when he was at VCU. He's in year six at Texas without now I get it. They didn't have an NCAA tournament last year. So, okay. But the bottom line is, He's got a talented team. He's got veteran guards. Everybody, I mean, look at the pollsters. Even with five losses, they're still 14th in the country because they beat North Carolina. They beat Indiana. They've won, they beat Kansas by 25 at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, for crying out loud. Go back and watch that game, by the way. Yeah. When Donovan Williams and Kai Jones and Brock Cunningham came into the game and just terrorized Kansas. So anyway, I'm going to leave this, Taylor, until I see it again. But I hope Texas basketball has rediscovered its defensive identity. How about you? I think I have to agree with you on this. I think I have to leave this. I mean, I've been we've been giving Shaka and Texas basketball a lot of benefit of the doubt this season, and they've earned it. You know, they did. And what they had to go through with the COVID issues and how many games were postponed and canceled and all of that like that. You know, when you're in a rhythm, especially in a sport like basketball, where you play more than one game a week, more times than not, you know, I think that can really be detrimental to a team's groove for sure. Especially if you're, you know, kind of lighting things on fire a little bit, Texas was, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, this was the first year that I think people saw an identity of Texas basketball since Shaka Smart was hired. Um, However, you know, it's hard to erase a lot of the midseason hiccups that we had seen from Texas basketball since Shaka Smart was hired. You know, they started off hot and then kind of hit that wall and then just tumbled, you know, down the hill. It's like Jack and Jill, you know, <laughs> like Jack and Jill would have like Shaka Smart going up the hill with a pan of water and came tumbling down, you know, it's kind of one of those situations. Right. And so I do think while I have given him a lot of benefit of the doubt and I don't, a lot of, I think the issues have been outside of his, you know, anything that he could have controlled. It's hard not to think back to the way things had been before, you know, at this time of the year, a lot of times is when this is when Texas basketball has struggled. So I think it was a good early sign to see them start to kind of reform their identity, but at this point, it's kind of, you got to show me, don't tell me I'm a, I'm a about action, not words. So it's time to, you know, put it up there. Yep. So I'm, yep. Gonna... I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And now <laughs> they, they play Texas tech on the road this weekend. And then they play their makeup games on, on the road. Now they, they've not had Baylor rescheduled at this point. They'll have three makeup games against Iowa State, TCU, and OU all on the road leading up to, well, that's going to happen in a six-day span from March um, 1st to March 7th. And then they go off to the Big 12 tournament. So 
defense travels. Yeah. Defense travels. Rick Barnes always told me that. So good point for sure. All right, Chip, I have one more for you. We're going to go with, uh, we're doing the trifecta here, football, basketball, and now I'm going to do baseball. So mine for you is love it or leave it. You have real concerns about Texas baseball's inability to hit after posting a team batting average of 167 with 33 strikeouts while going 0-3 to start the season. Wow. When you put it like that, (laughs) how could I not have concerns? But (laughs) I'll, I'll leave this for the moment even though those numbers are horrifying pitching leads hitting early in seasons. Now 33 strikeouts and a team batting average of 167. And you're a top 10 team too. I mean, Texas is number nine or they were yeah. when they played those three games. So probably not anymore, but yeah, probably not anymore, but let them get home. Let them, they got some new faces in there. Cam Williams, the freshman, had a home run. Um, you know, Mike Antico, we got to get him going. He's the Big 12 preseason newcomer of the year, the transfer from St. John's, who had 44 stolen bases at St. John's. I mean, this guy is a terror. He and Eric Kennedy on the base pass. You know, Kennedy had a stolen base um, this weekend, but just they got to get on base and they got to get used to when to hit, when to take pitches, draw those walks, all that. Zach Zubia, the donkey, the big donkey, he, he's got to get going. Uh, you know, they got some good hitting at the catcher position even. I mean, Silas Ardwine, and, and we haven't even really seen DJ Petrinsky yet. So, um, you know, they've got things they can do and little bright lights here and there. Murphy Staley at, at second base. And Ivan Melendez is a guy that, Pierce thinks can be one of the best hitters in college baseball. So let's give them a little bit of breathing room to, to figure it out. Um, you're not going to, there's no shame in losing to three top 10 teams. If you're, you know, you're going to play 60 games. So you can certainly bounce back from this Taylor. What do you think? Yeah. I am going to agree for, I think that one of the first times we actually agree on all of these, but I'm, I'm going to leave it. I think it's too early and, you know, chip, for all the reasons, as you mentioned, you know, um, and we talked earlier, but another thing too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the weather conditions in the Austin area started the Sunday before they played that they weren't playing. They weren't practicing. They didn't have the opportunity to practice because sorry, I didn't mean to hit my mic there, (laughs) but because of how bad the weather was. I mean, the freeze started on February 14th. Their first game was February 20th. They didn't have the time really to prepare. And I think that there was a lot of external reasons that led to it. I think that, you know, when you, when you see the numbers, obviously it's a concern for sure. And, you know, I'm, I'm from a baseball family. So I know like there are early concerns a lot of times that end up being the you know, what the future holds. But my dad also was on a team that had 100 to one odds to win the world series and they lost their opening. They were swept by them. Um, I think it was the expos in the organization's first series ever, ever <laughs> being a major league baseball team. They went on to win the world series. So, you know, it, it's rare that 
that happens, but still it, it's an option, you know, it's a possibility. And I think there were a lot of things that were outside of Texas cons- or outside of their control going into this game, the weather being a huge one. Um, I don't know that fans want to give them the benefit of the doubts. They probably be like, well, they had, you know, weeks and weeks leading up to it to prepare, but right, they got that new indoor facility. What are they doing in that yeah. indoor facility? Well, when you Come can't on. get to the school, <laughs> you can't practice. Right. You can't, you can't get there. You don't, yeah, you don't, even get, to, you don't yeah. get to use your indoor facility if you can't drive there. Right. This isn't the, the whole campus was shut down. Yeah, this is in the Northeast where you have snow plows that are helping you get on the roads and we couldn't go anywhere. All of us, anybody in the state of Texas knew how, how, you know, detrimental that was to the overall state, you know, and to the residents of the state of Texas. So I do, I do think that there is a little concern with the outcome. However, I think it's way too early at this point to throw in the towel and say this team sucks or they're never going to get out of this slump. No, they'll get a slump buster somewhere along the way. And I think that they'll be good. So I'm going to leave it too. Yeah. By the way, that BYU team um, dropped two of their, their play. They played Texas state and while Texas was up in Arlington and, uh, and dropped uh, Texas state beat them two out of three in the, uh, to start that series. So um, BYU might be the, the team that they need to see right now. We'll see. We'll talk about it next week. How about that? Uh, until then, make sure you go listen to the flagship podcast interview with Charles Thompson from Monday. And heck, you know, if, you, if you're a Spotify person like I am, you can just call up all the episodes we've ever done and just football season never ends. It never ends. It horns 24 seven. So make sure you're a member. And like Taylor said this, I, I know we have promos all the time at horns 24 seven, but this one we've never had yeah. where you get 50% off. You can upgrade as a month to month member of horns 24 seven to annual and immediately start getting CBS all access before it turns to Paramount plus, which is going to get you, all the insider information on your favorite CBS shows, but every Paramount movie ever, um, MTV, Nickelodeon, it's it's a great value and it's nothing. You're right. getting it basically for free. So this is a rare opportunity. Take advantage of it, especially if you're a month-to-month member and you're not getting the VIP access to all the team sites on the 24-7 network. I mean, that is the biggest advantage to me of being an annual member at horns 24 seven. And now you're getting CBS all access thrown in on top. So go sign up there. And, uh, and then oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Taylor. I would say another thing too, we didn't mention if you previously signed up under a promotion and you were under the terms where you couldn't upgrade or get the CBS all access perk, the, those are open for you now too. So if you signed up, during uh, after you know Steve Sarkeesian was hired, the coaching search, everything in the promo terms there, you can access. You get your free account access to CBS All Access too. So go into your member settings on your Horns twenty four seven profile under your subscriptions. There should be an activate the CBS All Access per- perk too. So we don't want people to think that it's only for new members. All of our current existing members also have that option for this limited time, which ends very soon. So you definitely want to take advantage. Yeah, it's a that's a great one and. Um... And then, you know, if you're over at iTunes and you happen to feel feel the urge, we'd love to get a five-star rating from you and some kind words in a, in a review. We'll read them on the air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and our bosses will 
keep us around, you know, that's a, uh, that's a plus. Keep upgrading Our, us. <laughs> that's right. So um, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time here on the flagship podcast, stay safe and keep the faith.